wasn't out there. Um, keys just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, see if good things will happen for us. Yep. We're back. 65th edition of Just Dishing It. We're flying solo today, folks. Uh, we got to catch up on a few things. Uh, welcome back. Uh, joined as always, John Tudes, Vacation Mode Tutor, and our producer, Derek Hoskins. Uh, Tudes, you're headed back to the to the big one there down in uh, Vegas. Yeah. How you feeling? Honestly, I don't even know. Like, I logged off of uh, the day job a little while ago, and yeah, I fly out of here at 5.30 tomorrow morning, and uh, Vegas Wednesday, and then uh, through Saturday, fly back early Sunday morning, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm going to be hanging out for dear life. It's uh, a good friend of mine, one of my college roommates' bachelor parties, so I can nice. only I can only imagine, you know, how off the rails this could go. So, yeah, we'll see. Just trying to trying to get through the week here. Maybe uh, win a little bit on the blackjack tables and uh, make sure you fuck up the flamingo. Oh yeah, make Absolutely. sure you make yeah, sure you. Derek, it, Derek and I had uh, had a little bit of an experience at the flamingo last time. I went in the first night we were there and made a little bit on the blackjack table, and then the next day, Derek and I walk in. We sit down next to each other. Doing well to start off. It did well to start out, and then the dealers obviously work in shifts. And when we had that dealer change, we just got ripped. Yeah, she couldn't even she couldn't even believe it on some of these ones. I mean, she was really helping us out and was definitely. I'm talking. I'm it. talking like the dealer gets like five card twenty ones. It's a bullshit yeah. like that. Yeah. No. Yeah, and then of course some jack wagon in the middle of it comes down loses like $300 in the middle of it, throws off the whole rhythm of everything, and then just yeah. like walks out. And he's like, I'm down like $1,500. I'm like, great, pal. Get the fuck out of here. You're ruining our cards. I would have gave you – I would have gave Buddy the 300 just to get the fuck off the table. Like, just don't even sit down. He was a Browns fan from Cleveland too, so he's really never seen a win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, so, yeah, we uh, – We've had some good interviews. Uh, we got some good ones lined up too, but uh, it's uh, it's one of the best times of the year, folks. Um, I mean, golf's in peak season. The boys have been getting out on the links a lot. Of course, we'll dive into some uh, live tour, PGA tour stuff. I know everyone in here's got some opinions on that. That is an interesting discussion for sure. But fellas, first and foremost, goodbye to the New York Rangers. Oh, thank the Lord. Oh. We got the we got the matchup that everybody probably except um, the the folks in Manhattan wanted. Um, we got Avalanche. We got Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Finals. I think it goes without saying. Aside from you know the the deep deep wishful thinking I would have is saying that the Buffalo Sabers would be in the Stanley Cup Finals. I think Lightning Avalanche is probably the the first matchup on just about everybody's board. If you're yeah. being neutral and being like you know just a fan of the game, right? For so sure. um, pure entertainment I, value. Oh yeah, I will. And, I will say, go Avs. Yeah. See, I. Um, I'm, yeah, let's, I'm let's, on the. Let's dive into that a little bit. Let's let's give some picks here. I just I'm not going to bet against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I might do it in some individual games, but uh, 
I will be betting on Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup. I will be you. You're fucking telling me the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions who have the better goaltender, have the better experience on the roster, top to bottom, who's going to get Braden Point back. It looks like for game one he was practicing with PP1 today. You can get them at plus money and a half. Don't Also, don't don't underestimate the value of the last three seasons. The team that has had Pat Maroon on their team has won the Stanley Cup. Just saying. Yeah. Colorado, for me, Colorado is going to win, I think, multiple Stanley Cups with that core. I just don't think it's – they need – Tampa had that where they get those. They're where Tampa used to be before they went back-to-back. Right. I think that's a value. They also, how many teams can you go back through history needing to get that close and losing to like right. really understand what it takes? I just I can't. I don't. I don't want to see a three-peat. I would love to see a three-peat. I would love to see Pat Maroon lift that cup four years in a row. I, I there's so many guys on Tampa. It's impossible to not root for. How do you not love John Cooper? And I get tired of hearing the uh, the narratives that there's asterisks next to the cups the last two that they've won. And I just want them to shove it up everybody's hoop. If and- anything, if anything, it would be last season's one because of the Canadian pathway to the cup. There's no reason that Montreal should have been in that. that well, season. we all know the Stanley cup final was the Islanders time Tampa series. That was for the cup. Whoever won that series was winning the cup. Well, yeah, I just thought so it was that weird was that. I, but just, I, agree I, I don't know. You. I just thought it was weird that they can, but that's obviously, you know, in, in pass, but I thought it was weird that, Whatever Canadian team came out of Canada ended up got it, getting a free pass to the Stanley Cup without having to face anyone from the Western Conference. Yeah, I, thought that was I think weird. just because there's like less teams, you know, and like given the circumstance, it was no. Like, I, I mean, I get it why they did it, but I just thought it was yeah. very weird because like obviously, like I don't know, I'm just it, the, the teams that were from Canada were not as not as strong last year compared to the rest of the teams in the league. Are they, are they ever though? No, maybe this <laughs> this year I would argue. Yeah, like I say, I say that fantastically, but like, what was the stat? I don't even remember the year. I'd have to pull it up. But like, how long has it been since a Canadian-based team has won the Stanley Cup? You know, I think I mean? it was the early nineties. I think well, it was yeah. it's Montreal. Montreal, being, Montreal say, which was what ninety-three, the year before the Rangers. Yeah, and Montreal, like, also didn't they? That's before I was even first, born, bud. They were the first team, a Canadian team, to the Stanley Cup in a long time, too, right, last year? I believe so. That's what I thought, yeah. So, it was at least a handful of years. I think Ottawa got there in the early 2000s, maybe, I believe. I didn't really look it up. But um, here's the thing, though, I, for this matchup. I just I've, – I've given a couple reasons, right? But at the end of the day, what is the – what would you say is the biggest X factor in this series, in this matchup between both of these teams? 100% Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, that's all I, that's all I would say. The thing is the abs, the abs have unbelievable firepower. And I think the Kadri injury is massive. That's, that's big in favor of Tampa. But when you have guys like – Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, and then if Rantanen decides that he's going to show up, and like Landis Cog, like you've got all the firepower that you really need to win a cup. You've got unbelievable defensemen. McCarr and Taves are probably the best D pair in the league, hands down. But you've got Kemper, who's having trouble seeing out of one of his eyes, and then you have Frank Coos. 
Like, you don't have a Vasilevsky that's going to go in there and could take over any single game, right? There were two goalies in the playoffs this year and probably in the league that you'd look at and say, this guy could steal a series. His team could get outplayed and they could steal it. And that was Igor Shosturkin, who's out now, and Andre Vasilevsky, who just beat him. Yeah. It's 100%. Zalewski to me is is the X factor. You know what – if Braden Point comes back, Braden Point's an unbelievable player. Steven Stamkos, timely goals. Kucherov, Hedman, you know, Palat, who gets slept on a lot. You know what you're getting out of those players. We've seen it time and time again. You know what you're getting out of McKinnon, McCarr, and company. It's goaltending. And when I, because the way I look at this too, I don't know how you guys feel. Look at the forward group. Look at the 12 forwards. Look at the 6D. Pretty even, I would say, overall. So, again, the most important position in the playoffs in hockey is the goalie. And then, again, too, it's like, give me a reason to not bet the Lightning to win the series. I, I don't have a good one. You could say all the firepower they have. You could say how good Kyle McCarr is. But at the end of the day, Tampa has shown they can play any kind of game. Whereas, can we be honest? I don't know if Colorado can play a three-to-one game and win it. Because in that situation, who's more likely to give up the three goals? Is it Francis or Kemper or is it Vasilevsky? Right. And I'm just at the point, too, where – my honest take on this entire playoffs has been I can't pick against Tampa in a playoff series until they lose a playoff series. Yeah. Because the last two years they've won the Stanley Cup, and this year they've been rolling. They beat a really good Leafs team in round one. Yeah, what are they, 11, they 11 and 0 in past playoff series or something like that, I think it is? Yeah, there's I mean, all kinds of stats about how ridiculous they've been the past yeah, three years. I mean, right. who, they beat three very good teams, you know, outside of the Eastern Conference final because the team they played there were frauds. But they beat a couple <laughs> really good teams on the way there, and they've won the last two Stanley Cups. Like I, don't, I just I can't pick against them in a series. I'll be with Benny. Like there might be a situation where if you want to gamble on an individual game, you might put a bet down on Colorado. I just don't see how I could pick Colorado to win the series over Tampa until Tampa actually loses a series. I, I can't pick against them. Yeah, it's 11 consecutive playoff series wins dating back to the first round of 2020 against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Yeah, I right there. And it's like, I I mean, I, I like I said, there's these two teams like, Pretty much everything about them, aside from Colorado's goaltending, just because, you know, Kemper's been banged up, like having trouble seeing. I thought he's played relatively well up until then, too, to be quite honest with you. But he's still not Andre Vasilevsky. No. So it's like I love so many guys on this team. I want to see both of these teams succeed. I just think this kind of reminds me of when you hear Wayne Gretzky talk about the Islanders and those series that they lost to the Islanders in the Stanley Cup Finals, like he always mentions that first series that they won. Or the, the, the I think it was the fourth cup, actually. The third or fourth one when they beat the Oilers in the finals. And um, 
Gretzky talks about walking past the Islanders locker room and like they were celebrating. Right. But he's like, they had ice bags on them. And he's like, it was much more dimmed down than you would think a team that just won the Stanley cup would be. And I think it just, for me, that's kind of the dynamic here where it's like Tampa's still going to be going crazy, right. If they win the cup, but I think there's still a few little things that the avalanche have to learn and can learn from playing against this lightning team for the cup. And because let's be honest, I think this is the lightning's window to get their get this last cup. And I think more pieces are going to leave after that. They're already up against the cap, right? This is, this is the it for them where I truly think Colorado is just starting. It's also too, you look at it with the lightning. They've all been there and done that before. Yes. Like in, in that experience, like look at the, look at game six against the Rangers when they win that game. Who scores both of their goals, including – so Stamkos, right, scores the first goal. He's in the penalty box when the Rangers tie it in the third period. And then what's he do, sure as shit, a couple minutes later? It was like 20 seconds. Yeah, like freaking Nikita Kucherov comes across the blue line, throws a beautiful sauce pass right on the tape, and Stamkos goes hard to the net ends up finishing it, you know, and in scores. It's those guys that have been there in those moments when those high pressure situations come come up, they make no mistake. They put they put the puck away, they score the timely goal, they make the play they have to make and that yeah. that I don't think you can underestimate, right? Like you've sometimes just being in those situations, those kind of players know how to get it done. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I the, and this is the thing too. Am I going to be surprised if Colorado wins the series and it's like a high score? No, like a high scoring affair. I, I wouldn't be that surprised because they are that deep. They are that good offensively. But again, Tampa can successfully play that game, and when you have the better goaltender, you can play whatever type of game you need to. Yeah. So. That's just where I'm at. And I think I looked on Caesars this morning. Um, shout out to Caesars, one of the best sports books out there. Uh, if you want to sponsor us, bring it on. I'll endorse your picks all day. Anyways, great lines. But, I mean, it's crazy to me that Tampa is plus 155 to win this series. It's absurd. I just think it's this, – this is where I think – you can have all the stats you want. Or the Abs had two sweeps. They beat St. Louis four to two in the series, right? They have all these juggernaut players. They're loaded, blah blah blah, right? You have to merge that kind of stuff with the eye test, like the the hockey, like IQ or the eye test, right? I I just think if you know this game at all. The fact that Colorado is the favorite in the series and it's not more of a pick'em. It's just – that's just – I don't think it's correct. I think it's just where the public money is going at this point, that's, I would think. That's what it That's what it is, I think, because obviously, right, like we know that like odds are there and they shift based on where the money goes to try to even out the amount of money bet on each team. But I really think that a lot of that public money is going heavy toward – Colorado because people just watch like Kale McCarr skate up and down the ice or they watch Nathan McKinnon rip a shot and they're like 
whoa, and they get enamored by it, right? And it's the sexy pick to be like, oh, Colorado's sick. And it's like, I don't know, man, at the end of the day, when you've got a team like Tampa who can go down 2 nothing to the Rangers and then just flip the switch and be like, ah, we know how to do this, and then rip off four in a row, it, you know, like they they know how to get it done. Like that's – I think a lot of people underestimate that. And someone as cool and chill as John Cooper is behind the bench. Oh, and yeah. Some of the shit that guy says in press conferences I don't think it's talked about enough. He he openly said, we don't really like game ones. How do you bet against that unless it's game one? Are you kidding me? It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's – he's – He's awesome. I, he's awesome, and it's one of those things I think you look at certain, certain coaches in the league – and I think there are teams that have really good rosters, but coaches that just don't re- – their message doesn't resonate or they don't make the best you know, lineup decisions, what have you, stubborn people. Cooper is not one of those coaches. Cooper is one of those coaches that always seems to be putting his team in the best possible position He doesn't panic ever. Like you said, who's cooler on the bench than him? Who's more calm and collected, right? Yeah. And now, and and look at the roster he has to work with too, right? Yeah. I think John John Cooper could take a freaking AHL team and make the playoffs sometimes. You would think, right? Maybe if we get him over in – maybe if he was over in Chicago with our boy uh, Portorowski, it would probably help out a little bit, have a stud like that on your AHL team to take you to the playoffs. No? That's what I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah. And it feels like, too, Cooper, he's been there. He's the long – in the weird way, right? He's the longest tenured coach in the NHL. Mm -hmm. But it's like you just feel like his career is so far from over. Yeah. In a lot of ways. He's still pretty young. Yeah. It's, It's wild, man. And he's just – he's one at every single level. But he is one of those new school coaches too where it seems like his message doesn't wear thin on players and guys enjoy playing for Cooper, right? How many guys do we hear about where, you know, Cassidy in Boston just got canned and people mm-hmm. were like, whoa. He just got hired. What? He just got hired. Yeah, but, like, I guess my point being with Who him, hired him? Vegas. <laughs> like, that's the thing. You get a coach. You'll put it in a couple years there. See you later. You'll be there two, three years, and then guys will get sick of you, and they'll go to management, and they'll be like, I'm not playing for this guy. Like, I'm over him. Hold on. Back up to Cassidy. Head coach? Yeah, it just got announced. Like, literally, like. Have fun, Jack. Half hour before that. All right. Jack's getting closer to Boston, you know. <laughs> He's getting real close. Hey, Bruce, can you put in a word for me? I know they fired you. Can I get but, Derek? Is there? Can you look up for for us real quick? Can we get a count on how many different head coaches Jack Eichel has had and how many years he's been in the league? I think it is. It's got to be pretty damn close to a coach a year. I think it is. I think it might be over a coach a year. Like it's unbelievable. Like I think I think Jack Eichel is. Uh, this Instagram post just as I I just searched Jack Eichel head coaches. Um, this Instagram post in May 16th. So was that after they fired? The that board. had to have been after they fired 
the DeBoer, yeah, because they didn't make the playoffs, so that would have been around then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is with... That was about a month ago, yeah. Yeah, Jack Eichel has seen six head coaches fired in his seven career seasons and is now averaging one coach per year in the NHL. This is unbelievable. (laughs) At the same token, right, we're going to laugh because it's him, but it's like, how do you get any sort of, like, rhythm? How do you... You can't. I mean, that's just that's tough, man. You can't. It's the I same mean, thing as like the Sabers with the GMs too, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no consistent direction. There's no consistent message. You're learning a new system every year. How can you feel comfortable playing under a new coach every year? No, I don't think you can. That's like why a team like Tampa, you know, they you've got a lot of the same players that have been there for a while, at least in that core. And then you've got a coach that does things the same way that all the players love every single year. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're Nikita Kucherov or Steven Stamkos, like or Victor Hedman, you don't have a coach coming in and being like, Hey, what you did was great, but I want us to play in this type of system. Like, no, they're just playing hockey. Right. Um, I mean, Anything else as far as the, the specific matchup before? Because I want to do a quick little segment here to finish this off before we transition to maybe a little bit of the coaching carousel more because we brought up Cassidy and then get on to some of the, the golf stuff I know we want to talk about. But um, anything else that, that to, to you guys that's going to stand out in this matchup? Because I do have one or two things that I'm really interested to bring up that I don't one specifically that does not get talked about nearly enough, but uh, any matchup things, you know, line combos or any players you're really honing in on, maybe aside from the big guys, because we're going to talk about them with like the predictions for the con smite and who wins and all that too. Right. But um, anything like that, that you guys are thinking about sticking out to you? Not really. Not really. I mean, honestly, it, I think it really comes down to me if, I mean, both of these teams are really good. I don't, you know, top to bottom, third, fourth line, everyone's got their players and stuff. I think it really, it, you can't hammer it more home, and it's just, it's going to be talked about so much. It comes down to Vasilevsky, really. That's about it. And, like, how well is he going to play? And what kind of team, I guess, you know, what kind of goal scoring does uh, Colorado try to do to combat that, pretty much? I think that's that's the matchup. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, the there. I wouldn't say that there is a specific matchup, at least from that I've seen. Like any players, like like both teams have been playing both you know both sides of the puck very well, top to bottom, each line, each you know all defensive pairings. And I wouldn't say anyone sticks out. They just all mesh very well as a team, and they're playing a very complete game. And I think the matchup is just it's it's Vasilevsky and how many goals can Colorado put up against them? Basically, I love it. The one, the one that interests me, and the shout out to the bo- good old boys at Spit and Chicklets for this one, but uh, it, it it sparked a, a thing for me where I was like, yeah, they're they're right there. Um, but Anthony Sorelli and what he was able to do against Zabanajad, what he was able to do against that top line for the Panthers, and obviously the the slow wear and tear he put on the Leafs. Um, yeah, Sorelli's a solid player. He is. He doesn't get nearly enough credit. What a pain in the ass to play against. And um, I think it was Whitney who said uh, he's like Bergeron, but he's you know he's not like better, but he's like that type of player, but he's faster. And it's like 
it fits so perfectly to like how I think, especially when Tampa's at home, how they can do those line matchups, get the last change and get him out there against McKinnon and company. I think that's going to be a real interesting thing aside from all the obvious ones. Right. But that's something just as a hockey nerd that I'm going to be really tuned into. That was the, the main one I wanted to bring up that, that I'll be paying attention to for sure. You got anything Toots? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I'm looking at kind of that same, that same matchup, Benny, um, you know, and I think it does take a lot of pressure off of that top line for Tampa. If they're going out there and they don't have to, you know, spend their energy, you know, against the top line of guys like McKinnon, uh, Landis Cog and, and Nichushkin. So, you know, hopefully that opens some things up for them. But, you know, one of the guys in particular, I know we talked about the goaltending, uh, but as far as forwards on uh, on Tampa, I love watching Palat play. I do. Mm. That, that guy, I think, unsung hero for that team. He's, you know, he's been there for all the success, but he obviously doesn't get the, uh, the fanfare that, you know, some of the other guys on his team get. And I would say nationally he doesn't get it for sure. I, yeah, I, you know they love him in Tampa, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, Two game-winning goals against the Rangers? Right. A couple game-winning goals and just a couple big-time assists as well in that series in timely moments. So he's a guy that I think, um, you know, is a guy that I'm going to be watching out for because, you know, you know they're going to be keying in on the big boys. Um mm. You know, and, and I think that just opens things up for him, and hopefully he can take advantage of that. One other one that I wanted to mention, and my God, if I'm the Buffalo Sabres, would I throw the absolute bag at this this guy? This Nick Paul, man. I love him. I love watching him play. I love what he does for Tampa. I would be over the moon if the Sabres could convince that guy to come here. Doubt it's going to happen, but I would love him to try. Because is he going to be a free agent, Bunny? Yes, okay. he is a. He will be an unrestricted free agent, I believe. Um, even I, if he, I don't know for sure. He could be an RFA, but either way, offer sheet him. Let's get the offer sheets going. So um, how much for a guy like that? And I just wonder because the Sabers situation is a little bit unique, where they have such a low cap number right now. They've got to actually work to get to the cap floor see but i know what you're saying and i think there i think the ben bishop contract trade is telling you more than some might think i think that tells me they're not going to spend a lot of money on bigger name players but as far as like when you're bishop might not even play anymore i think no i think he's he's definitely done but um on the off chance that he's not i mean you know, in the situation like the Sabres, it makes perfect sense to do that no matter what, right? But for a guy who, like Nick Paul, and, you know, like, I think when you're talking about trying to get the right guys in the room, get the right sort of culture, like, he got to see a dose of that. He came from a shit team, a tough spot in Ottawa, up and coming. So he's been or an up-and-coming team with some promising prospects, right? So he's been in that situation and thrived, similar to what the Sabres did. If you look at the package that Tampa gave up for him, a first-round pick, a great young prospect in uh, Matthew Joseph. So, um, And I think there might have been another piece in there, too. I'm not positive. but um, So he he shows he can thrive in that sort of situation. 
and, you know, be a leader and step up and have success. And look what he's doing on an elite cup winning NHL team. He's been a massive part of them getting through these rounds and having a chance at a three-peat. So well, I, I think you're right. going to have to spend money if you're going to even call people and try to do it. That's the kind of guy I want to see them at least make an effort on. I guess that's what I'm asking, Benny, is I, I was trying to get to that point of like the Sabres are, you know, they have so much space and obviously you've got to get to the cap floor. Are you okay with them maybe overpaying a guy like that just to get him on the team, knowing that you have all that extra cap space, even if on the surface it looks like a bad number for what that guy is? You know, obviously, you know, solid player, but I mean, he's he's on the third line. It's not like he's going to come in and be your first line center, but, you know, how much is too much for him? I don't know. We'll see what the market dictates, but – I mean, I could see him coming in. I don't even know what he's making now, but like, you know, seven, five. Okay. Like something like that. Seven, seven, five. You get him on four years, five years. That's the kind. He's not Billy Leno. He's not some of these terrible fucking signings that the Sabres have had previously. Right. He's got, he's, he can score goals. He can produce points. He can play a little bit of a finesse game, but he's a pain in the ass. He's big. He's physical. That is a playoff hockey player that is a similar mold of an Alex Tuck. Has you know that skill, but edge like a Dylan Cousins that we're starting to see, like a Peyton Krebs, like even like from what Walt said about JJ Paterka, like all these guys you're starting to bring into the organization. He's younger. He fits that that mold where it's like when Sabres fans think about overpaying for guys and free agents, you think, Oh shit, Billy Lane. Oh shit. Ocposo. Shit. Matt Molson. Like right. you think of all these bad examples where it's not remotely the same player. This is a little bit different. Yep. So that's where I'm at there. But yeah, I, I can see that, you know, with his, the success he's had in the playoffs, like a seven, five or somewhere, I think Tuck's making five, something, six, something somewhere in there. I'd be perfectly fine with that. So yeah, that's just another guy I wanted to bring up because, I mean, the stuff he did it. in the Tampa series or the Toronto series and just the intangibles he does, but he can also pop up and score timely goals and make big plays. But uh, sorry to cut you off, Derek. What were you I saying? I saw um, a player linked possibly to the Sabres. I wasn't too happy about this one. but uh, What, P.K. Subban? I won Mr. P.K. Subban, yeah. 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 Because of his brother. So why, why would you not like I just don't think he's very good. I yeah, that's that's the bottom line. But is he so a right shot defenseman? Is he not better than the other right shot defenseman the Sabres have? It Quite honestly, what, it the depends month. on what PK Subban you're getting, and the term. The term is very very important. Where it's like locker room guy, totally get that. How to be a pro, totally get that. But it's like at the end of the day. What is, what can, I might get killed for this, but what is P.K. Subban going to show Owen Power that he can't pick up from, honestly, even a Colin Miller? Like, Colin Miller's a very, in my mind, an underrated, like, defensive, def- like, defenseman. I'm not a Colin Miller fan. That's That's fine. You can have your opinions on him. Totally, right? But, like. But I see what you're. Yeah, I see what you're. You know what I mean? Because it's like the 
And the reason I say that is because I know the Sabres won't give Colin Miller the type of term that in order to get P.K. Subban in, they might have to do. Because that's where I get back to like the Nick Paul thing, like the term's important too. It's not so much the money the first year or two. I don't want to see any four-year deal with P.K. Subban, three, four-year deal, two at the max. If it's a two-year deal, whatever. I personally also don't think they're going to end up doing anything in the offseason um, goalie-wise. I don't think so. I, I hope they do. I hope I, they take what, some what, Kevin, what Kevin Adams said didn't didn't make me seem very hopeful. He said he wasn't going to bring anyone in that would hinder the the process and progress of UPL and any of the guys down the pipeline, like Devin Levy and all the rest. I think that just means term again. I yeah, think I think it would have to be a bridge and like a later guy, obviously, but I don't know. I I, it, I guess it all depends on what Anderson does. But like, you're not going to get like, they're not in the running for Jack Campbell. I can tell you that. Like, they're not in the running for, you know, these younger, like, uh, I, I wouldn't, like Casey DeSmith. They're, the, the Sabres aren't going to go after him. And I think that's where it's tough, though, too. And this is why, again, I I think that one of the dumbest rules in professional sports is the college draft picks for the NHL being able to hold out and then sign wherever is. Yeah, it's weird. It puts a team like the Sabres in a vulnerable position now because it's like, should they make a move at goalie this offseason? Yes. Levy, Levy could screw However, both of those goalies that they have, Portillo and Levi – could screw could us. Very easily see them sign a decent young goaltender and be like, screw that, I'm not signing there. Yeah. And it's like, do you wanna do you wanna play with fire like that with those guys? I don't know. But it's again, that's that's a tough spot for them. Cause yeah, what they what the Sabres have right now, quite frankly, is not gonna get you sniffing the playoffs. No. And that's like, and you want to be, and I think they're going to try and do some, something at goaltender, like the bridge or a veteran, like maybe does a Braden Holpe make sense? Does a Billy Huso make sense? I don't know, but you got to do something to where if the boys find a way to pull together a stronger stretch, like we saw towards the end of the season, and then you're playing meaningful hockey in March, you don't want them having a injury prone UPL, and a Craig Anderson. I completely agree with what Walt's saying on that. You have to, you have to explore those options to to no end, honestly, um, and just see what happens. You got to bring in some other formidable to make this a competition and push it forward. Because Anderson and UPL aren't going to push each other enough, in my opinion. And that's really not a knock on UPL. He did the guy's just he has injury problems, and. You could say he's not consistent, whatever, but so much of that we can't fully judge because it's injuries every single time. But, I mean, this is a whole another can of worms that we could really open is, is it worth, like, I mean, obviously, like, this kid is really good and stuff, but is it worth going all in on a guy who's had hip and fucking hip well, I don't injuries think and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't like, think they are. From, you know, from the get-go, like, that's just asking for it. Like, how can you ask a guy to play 50 games in a season when he's 20 years old and has already had, like, reconstructive hip surgery? Like, Yeah, and I don't think they are. That's why they're trying to buy some time so we can get Levi up here, Portillo, or both. Yeah. Hopefully both. But I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But I I think – 
I think it's very encouraging, though. I think after whenever Northeastern loses, I think you're going to see Levi come. The fact that he was at going to see the Sabres, he spent some time, you know, when they were in Boston and stuff like that. I don't, you know, some of the stuff that came out after he decided to go back of, you know, he was popping in, you know, checking the team out, being there. I don't think if your intention, like, really at the end of the day is to walk, that you're going to do that. Yeah, I bet you the team also, I bet you Kevin Adams was like, I mean, be like, I'm sure we would love to have you up here and stuff like that. But if you go back like one more year, like we're not missing a year. Like it's not make or breaking our season. Yeah. Like and those are, you want to go yeah. back down and like go win some meaningful games for yourself and get some experience under your belt, go for it. I'm sure that's what he's telling them. I, like, I, if you think I you're ready that. to come up to the NHL, like then you're ready to come up and stuff like that. But I, I, I would imagine that's probably how the conversation probably went. Because it's just like, I mean, if he was already there touring the facility and stuff like that, it probably was like a decision of like, is this really going to make or break my like career? Is this going to make or break my season? Uh, you know, it, 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 you very well could just walk into like, and they don't even know how it could be next year. Like he could, it, it's probably smarter for him to wait the whole season, play it out. And then see where the Sabres are at at that point, and then jump on the team later in the season, where depending on where they're at, rather than get shit on all season, depending because the, the Owen Power very, approach, could, right there. Yeah, they very, I guess so. Right, you could very well get you know dumped on the entire season this year. There's still that's definitely yeah. still in the equation for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, I don't I think that. it'll happen, but I think there is still a good chance that it could happen. Um, we're still bottom of the league team. You know, it, it's very unpredictable. Like, you yeah. could see, like, and it very well could end up happening. I could see it happening of, like, we get a 10-game run, like we always do, and then we fucking bottom out. It's just like... It, you don't want that on his conscience. You don't want that getting no. to his head. No, and it's one thing, like, if Owen Power did that, like, he's still learning. Like, he's still getting good, you know, experience and stuff, and he's defending some of the top defenders. But for a goalie, that's just demoralized confidence yeah. is way different for a goalkeeper yeah. than a skater well that's yeah. why they don't and i think that's why they don't bring in goalies at 20 21 years old they're not confident enough they don't they're, they're who was the last good. one carter hart how's he doing and it, i mean even look at like, I'll let you know like, benny like, not good Brett, a hat. what is it what's his name um murray matt murray hey, matt murray younger guy i mean but won a cup he won a cup but then who is a rookie yeah but then what has he done since then though? You know. He hasn't he hasn't um done very well. Last year yeah. though, I will say I de- decent year. No. Matt Murray actually when I got a little quiet here, I actually I searched Matt Murray's contract while the two of you guys were talking goaltenders because I was thinking like, would it make sense for a Sabres team to try to bring a guy like that in? So he has two years left on his contract at six and a half million a year, but Murray's a guy like he's a 94. So he's only like 27, 28 years old right now. And he's got two Stanley Cups. He's had a couple rough years since then. He showed flashes last year, but like he's certainly better than anything you have in your system right now if you're a team like the Sabres. And it's two years. So the term would make sense. Two years. The term makes sense. So I don't know what type of deal you'd have to make to trade for a guy like that. I don't know if they would even be interested in a guy like that. I think a mid-round pick and a prospect would do it. Yeah, I don't think that that would be like a horrible move for them. 
Yeah, I don't either. And I don't think that would be a move that would really turn off a guy like, you know, Levi that much because you look at the term and it's only two more years and you're not even going to be here for one of them. What if you trade? What if you trade like a third, like a fourth round pick and the rights to Eric Portillo? Can you do that? Yeah, you could trade because if you you think because if you think Portillo is going to walk and you get something, you get a guy that can bridge the gap to Levi and it's like, hey, we got a formidable guy in here who the the boys will play for like and we'll be playing a couple years of meaningful games in March, hopefully, because that's the stepping stones. All great teams, franchises, dynasties have to take to become that. You have to gain that experience and it starts in the regular season when the playoff race is coming down to the wire. And so, then you also, for that bridge, even though he's had a, his you know fair share of struggles, you get a guy who's got a track record of success. Yes, but not forty-one years old. Yes, hundred percent. He's won won it all. He's won it all, and then that's a you can you got a tandem with Levi because I think that's for the most part that's going to be the future. The sixty forty percentage wise of games, sixty five thirty five type of things. Like, I think that's a pretty good formula. And, again, if you got a guy who's as big of a stud as Vasilevsky, that's different. But even look at Shesurkin. He's a stud, too, but he's still young. And Georgiev is one of the best backups in the league, I would say. I mean, he had his bumps and bruises, right? But, I mean. Makes me makes me wonder, too, though, how long, you know, <laughs> if you could get a guy like Georgiev away from the Rangers. See, like, that's one where I think Kevin Adams wouldn't do it because of the age and the yeah, term, probably. Because, but like, I don't know his contract situation, so that I, could be an interesting thing. I don't either. I just look at things like that. Like the Rangers have had that a couple times, where, like, even when Henrik Lundqvist was still there, the Rangers had Cam Talbot coming up through the pipeline, and Cam Talbot actually got to start for a little bit when Lundqvist was hurt for a while, and that's how Cam Talbot ended up shipping out of town because. He was playing really well, and then I think got to that point where obviously anyone would. They're like, well, shit, Like, I'm not going to be the starter over Hank Lundquist in New York, but I'm ready to be a starter somewhere. I don't want to sit behind this guy and get you know 10 games a year. So uh, Alexander Georgiev, Georgiev um, interesting nugget. He is the first Bulgarian-born player to play in the NHL. Um, did not know that. Um, secondly, he has two years left on his deal at 4.85 million. So that's even less than a guy like Murray. And he his average, his AAV is 2.4. Yeah. I should say he's an RFA in 2022. Oh, so he's got one year left on his deal. He's next year at the end of next year. Yeah. I mean, obviously like the Rangers like having him around cause you know, if something were to happen with Shesterkin or, or wait a minute, you want to just give him an off night, but hold on. He might be an RFA this summer. I wish Benny was a GM. He'd be firing off offer sheets like you've never seen before. Oh, I would be the most hated GM in the league. They wouldn't invite me to shit. <laughs> I'd be sending offer sheets. And I tell you what. If there'd I was be, the, there'd be, there'd be 31 GMs at the golf outing, and Benny's invite would have got lost in the mail. They'd make me drive the. They'd make me carry fucking Steve Eiserman's bag. I'd be the fucking caddy. Um, signed a two-year. Yeah, so he is a RFA this summer, actually, Alexander Gorgiev. Hmm. So, 
at 26 too. So I that's that's an interesting thought. Um, oh yeah, but GM Benny, I'd be ripping off offer sheets. I would just be a thorn in the side of GMs in the league. Um, if I was the Sabers, the offer sheet for Aho would have been just right in there. Maybe not the Sabers, but I tell you what, if I was that for the Montreal Canadiens, what a pussy bitch move that was on what a pathetic attempt at an offer sheet. I would have thrown it was a joke. That was pathetic. They should be ashamed. That's probably why the guy doesn't have a job anymore. Uh, Bergevin, I think, was the guy who made that. Great hair, but just terrible judgment, in my opinion. Good good going on that uh, Sergachev trade, too, for Jonathan Druin. I don't know why this turned into a rake, Mark Bergevin, but that's fine. Um, anyways, we hammered the hockey here, but uh, to round up for the last 10 minutes or so, uh, we got to get in some uh, – oh, actually, to round off the hockey, for our YouTube viewers, Derek, I don't know if you want to pull up that clip. Um, I don't – I think Tudor's probably seen this too. But I just want to, you know, send him off because this is the last we're going to be talking hockey for a little bit till he's done with his vacation. I just want him to have one more little smile. Yeah, give me a second. Because this, this, uh, this was glorious. And not saying that this guy wouldn't be me – if this was if the Sabers were in this situation, I can't promise you this wouldn't be me. It's just so good. It's so fantastic. It's just very wholesome to me. It makes me feel very good inside. The 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 listeners not on YouTube. Um, if you don't know, um, I will explain it when when the clip pops up here. But uh, this isn't the clip of that loser Rangers fan turning around and popping a. Like, no, 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 that was bad, though. What a loser. Did you imagine taking a swing at somebody over a No, I can't game? because I, lo- I love my favorite teams, but I'm not a psychopath. Yeah. All right, we got it here. Hopefully we get some sound. The Avalanche standing in the way of a Tampa Bay team. Oh, is this? Must be the next one. That's annoying. This is what I got. No, fast forward it. I think it played through. Bear with us us here. Oh, this one. (laughs) I love sad Rangers fans. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Come on, boo. These commercials stink. Um... But yeah, it's basically uh, you, most of you have probably seen it. The saddest Rangers fan. He's sitting there, knows nobody's around him. Uh, very teary-eyed. It's just uh, there he is. Listen to that music. <laughs> this camera guy is did him dirty. This camera guy is lighting this dude up. Yeah, just did this guy absolutely dirty. <laughs> I gotta be honest, when he grabs the t-shirt and looks at it, I thought he was gonna blow his nose into it. Wipe his eyes a little bit. Right there, that's when he knew it was over. Yeah, right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, go catch the cabbie, buddy. Oh my god. But yeah, um, wanted to give that little nugget to Tudor in case he didn't see that, but uh, yeah. The world's saddest Rangers fan. That was a good one. The camera guys did him dirty, and that music did him a little dirtier. But 
been there, buddy. I feel you, but man, was that funny because I had a lot of money on Tampa Bay that game, so it just made it even sweeter. Um, all right, that was that was a really fun breakdown. We got into a lot of tangents and stuff too with, with the cup and everything. But um, real quick, um, before we just touch on the golf stuff, Tudor, if the Avalanche win, who wins the Smythe? Kel McCarr. If Tampa wins, who wins the Smythe? We know. I. So I have a fun bet that I do with my buddy from high school every year. Mm. I pick Tampa in seven, and I said Kucherov. But now that I think about it, it probably could be Vasilevsky. Derek, same two questions. If Colorado wins, who's getting the Smythe? Um. Probably McKinnon. Okay. Tampa? Fassy. Yep. For me, I'm going with those two as well, Derek. I think McCarr's going to pull his weight, but um, I think it's going to take a big performance from uh, from Nathan McKinnon, the Nate dog. And um, I want to say if, if Colorado wins, it's McKinnon. If Tampa wins, I think it's – I feel like Stamkos could be up there. Kucherov might be a little ahead of him, but I think if Stamkos were to win it, he's going to have to score like two game winners. He's going to have to put a goal in in each game in the series. And I just think if it's going to be Vazzy. Playoff points right now. Um, I think Kucherov has like 23 and Stamkos has like 16 or something like that. Yeah. It's like the timely goals, though, that, you know, him being the captain and everything. And everything Stamkos has been through, too with how much time he had to miss in those other two seasons, the injuries he's battled through. So I think there's like that storyline to it too, that I know that they all love to, you know, the writers and the people that vote. So um, quick transition though, over the last five minutes or so here to wrap up, we got to talk about this live tour. Um, you know, people losing their minds. I, I just, it's kind of weird. Like, do I get the side where it's like it's Saudi backed and they've done some sketchy shit? Yes. But as far as another entity coming in to to challenge the PGA or do things a little different, I don't hate it. But I just don't know if the sport itself, because of how golf is, it's individuals, it's not teams. I don't know if that's better for the sport of golf as a whole, but I wanted your guys' opinions on it too, before we got out of here. Tudor, we'll start with you. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it could be a good thing. Um, kind of an unpopular opinion. I'm realizing had a couple spirited group chat bouts the last week over that. But um, yeah, I think for my ultimate hope for the live tour is really just that it pushes the PGA to get a little bit more creative. Um, I think for so long, the the PGA has had no real competition. So they haven't really changed anything. I think that, do I think golf needs to be a team thing all the time? No, I don't. But I love the Ryder Cup. I love things like that. And I think incorporating some more of those things, you know, the shotgun start, I think is awesome, right? It's, you can see the live leaderboard on the left-hand side of the screen, like, you know, where everyone's at with how many holes to go and everyone's on the same schedule. And, you know, there's some really cool things I think they're doing that 
you know, maybe could, you know, the PGA could at least get some, some cool ideas from that. The team I stuff think, is weird. Do I think it'll take over? No, but I don't know. Like, I think as far as where the money's coming from too. Yeah. Obviously not a huge fan of that, but at the end of the day, I think it's very easy to criticize someone when you're on the outside looking in. But when you're offered the kind of money that changes not only your life, but your family's life and generations to come, mm-hmm. unless you've been in that situation and you've turned it down for a moral reason, I don't really care to hear your opinion on it because who are you to say that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I would turn down $125 million, you know, because. I don't believe that where that's coming from is right. Like how many people can act if you've never been in that situation, I don't really care what your opinion is, frankly, because I don't never been there. Yeah. You've never been there. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I have a tough time believing anybody's going to turn that down unless you're already a Rory McIlroy, a Justin Thomas, et cetera. Yeah. A Tiger Woods that has that level of wealth already. Yeah. That's, that's kinda, some kind of shit you say at a bar to impress a chick. Oh, I'd turn yeah. it down. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I look at a guy, perfect example is Chase Kapka. So I did a little bit of digging when it came in. And Chase Kapka is Brooks's younger brother, who obviously has not seen the level of PGA Tour success of his older brother. And Chase turned pro in 2016 in golf. His career earnings, I think, were about $314 million, So... When you break that down, average annual income, it's about fifty-two thousand and change a year. You mean three hundred fourteen thousand? Three hundred fourteen thousand. Okay. Over, and that's six years pro since two thousand sixteen. So that's about fifty-two fifty-two thousand and change a year. Now that doesn't include what you have to take out for, you know, taxes, travel fees, paying your caddy. He's not mm-hmm. making that much money. Where if he goes over and plays in live, the last place guy makes a minimum of $120,000. That's yeah. more than twice what you're making in a year for three days of work. Yep. How do you expect the guy to turn that down if that's offered? I don't know. Yeah, I hear you, man. I'm right there with you. What about you, Derek? Um, I think it's good for the competition. Um, I think the PGA just because they're the PGA doesn't have the rights over a golf league. I think it's kind of stupid, the rules that they have of that you can't go play anywhere else. And I think that they've only been able to imply that because there hasn't been anywhere else to play. Yeah. It's really easy to say, like, oh, you guys can't go play anywhere else when there's literally nowhere else to play, you know? like Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's good for golf. Um, I think it gives – guys who normally wouldn't get all eyes on them um, eyes on them a lot more and a lot more money in their pocket. The PGA tour field is huge. Yeah. I think it's kind of crazy that, I mean, there's definitely, especially now with the size of golf and the popularity of golf, there's definitely more than enough golf to go around. Like, why are you, you know, gatekeeping it from the rest of the world when you could be growing it as a whole kind of thing? Um, Yeah. Granted, they're opposing teams. They'll never get opposed. You know, they'll never get. You know, they'll never get along together. But I think it's a good thing for golf. I think it adds. You know, I mean, it'd be dumb to have just the NHL. Obviously, you know, like I, it's, it's 
just kind of how I feel. Like I, yeah. just because it's golf and it's an and it's a exclusive sport doesn't mean that there should be one league and that league gets to basically gatekeep everything else that happens in the sport of golf. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great point, Derek, and that like brings up one thing I wanted to kind of add to is golf is the only professional sport where you can show up to do your job and you can lose money because if you go to a tournament and you pay travel fees, you pay for your lodging, you pay for tournament your entry pay, and then you miss the cut. Not only do you not make any money, now you're out all of that money that you had to spend to get there. So you're actually losing money and the PGA tour doesn't guarantee any money. So that's something I'd really like to see in these tournaments because we know they make enough money off these tournaments where it doesn't have to be an exorbitant amount of money, but some sort of guaranteed money for being good enough to be on the tour and playing in the event, right? You know, if it's if it's 15K or 20K, like at least you're making money off of that tournament because you know the PGA can afford it with what they're making. And like, you know, I've had people argue against that with me and I'm like, you know, the way I like to phrase it is, okay, so you're a football fan, right? You're watching football. If the quarterback goes out there and they play the game, they throw two interceptions and the team loses, should the team be able to go to him and be like, yeah, we're not giving you your game check this week. You didn't. Win. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's essentially what happens in golf. So it's like, I, I would like to see a little more pressure applied there to get some of these guys who are not a Rory McIlroy, a Justin Thomas, a Jordan Spieth making millions in endorsements away from the golf course. I'd like them to get a little bit of guaranteed money. You know, they've, they've got families to support. They've got lives to live. And, you know, they're out there grinding. I love it, man. It's a conversation that's going to continue throughout the summer, too, with us. Um, I, will gonna... wanna, I do want to add, though, that I think the, te- the only thing I don't like is the teams thing is really weird. I don't understand how there's teams and stuff. Yeah, and I'm interested to see out. how that goes. Like, yeah. what, what the deal is all of that. And, like, obviously the bigger name players are the captains for that. But I don't understand how the team aspect works in that. Yeah, I feel like they're just trying it on for size you got to when you're going against the traditional formats, do something a little different. I think there's going to be different versions of those things. I think they're going to hone it in and get it better. They're just, you know, trying different shit. And that's what's going to get eyeballs on them in the beginning, aside from the big names that they were able to pull. So I hear you there, Derek, definitely with you. But uh, like I said, this is going to be a continuing convo. Um, Interested to see how this goes. But um, yeah. It's been a great episode again um you know just wanted to catch up stanley cup final coming up uh toots have a good trip my man we'll see you when you get back win some money for us derek hope you feel better get out on the course open it up open up the sinuses open up the fucking <laughs> big tee shots i got um, a round on saturday at Iron had a boy had a boy all right everybody thanks so much for joining us it's been another awesome episode of just dishing it have a great rest of the week and uh Yeah, we'll see you next time. Later.